The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Another song. Joining me here again is author and show mainstay, Greg Bakun. Hello, I'm excited to be back. Yeah, excited to have you. Uh, thanks for staying <laughs> after a lengthy conversation we had on Cabaret. Here for more. Uh, the Freshman uh, was the third single from the Verb Pipes 1996 platinum album Villains. Uh, this breakout album also contained the singles Photograph, Cup of Tea, and Villains. Villains, uh, the album, peaked at number 24 overall on the 200, number 69 for the year, uh, while Freshman hit number one on the modern rock tracks. Uh, number five on the Billboard Hot 100, seven on Top 40, and number nine on Mainstream Rock. Uh, Greg, Verb Pipe, Freshman, Memories, any? Uh, you know, I knew the song, but I didn't really enough attention to the actual like weight of the story until now. Um, because again, the music video itself is quite simplistic. It's yep. just really him. Just, it's to him and you get some musicians as well but um and then you get the female character in there as well and like the red scenes of the film where or in the video um but i didn't really understand the impact of it so then when i was kind of listening to it again and um <clears throat> it, it was because it's very catchy so i was like oh i'm singing along to this i really do know <laughs> this song it's been a while but i'm like oh i can't be held responsible okay and then when i was like let me just dig into like why did Brandon choose this song? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> this totally fits Cabaret. I mean, abortion and just, it's just, it's all right there. And I was like, oh my gosh, this song was about that. And I'm like humming along to it. Like probably, I don't even know. So this would have come out while I was in elementary school. Okay. Um, okay. So, so I would have heard it, but again, I wouldn't have resonated with me. And I don't think it was really a thing by the time I hit high school in 2000. Um, it, it was 96, 97. So I was, yeah. uh, literally a freshman. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, like I, I, I'm not that far behind yet, but, right, um, right, right. uh, but that's the thing is like in 96, 97, I was rocking out the eighth base. Um, Hey, I saw sure. the sign. Uh, I mean, who hasn't, um, it's a beautiful life. I use that in the, um, <laughs> Uh, beautiful life. I used um, that in the curtain call of the show I directed at the high school. It just felt appropriate. Nice. Um, since the play took place in 1995. Anyway, sorry. Um, so yeah, I, this song I would have heard, but not have really understood the lyrics back then. But it definitely stuck with me because it is catchy, and I was singing along the first time I put it back on. Um, Which as is I had mentioned. Yeah, what? it's it's funny because the song is about like an abortion suicide. I have what. Singer Brian Vanderark says about it. We'll get to that, but talking about like, oh, that's what this is about, or I sing along about it. The fourth American Pie film, American Reunion, 
utilize this song at the reunion as I believe something I only saw that movie once, but um Jason Biggs, Allison Hannigan, they're married or whatever. They get in this big fight in the middle of it, and they're finding each other and making up happens at the reunion to this song playing. And I'm like, mm. is this mm. a first dance mm. at a wedding to every breath you take moment here? Because like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I know the song sounds nice, pretty, probably instrumentally and stuff fits a mood, but do you, do you know what you're putting out there right now? Right? Like, <laughs> it's I did really, not even realize that. Really off. Really off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that connection. And now I really want to go rewatch that scene in American like reunion. Um, I, I do have a listeners, or if any of my former guests uh, there, I do have a project I'd like to do where I watch. I have. I would like to have three female guests, podcasters, writers, or whatever, and watch the American Pie film, not the straight-to-video ones, but the others, just to see that perspective with that and my going back going, oh, I watched these and enjoyed them. Um, I did too, and like, when when our interests in things are definitely differ as well yeah and i watched them and enjoyed them for whatever reason i did i owned them on dvd when they came out so well i American remember pie, yeah i worked at i worked at circuit city uh when american pie 2 came out on dvd and that was sold like and it was mostly girls coming in and buying it yeah and off the so i'd really like to have a look back. I haven't watched those movies in a long time, um, but I I love with a group of females to see how that plays out. <laughs> like just yeah. going back and revisiting and having this conversation now, and being like, "Wow, that was a thing." But yeah, there's a lot of questionable stuff in that movie, and I I did not make that connection that this song was featured yep. at that moment. I mean, this song is not appropriate for any of those movies in general. I mean, mm-hmm. like there's these, this song is heavy, but it's fascinating how there are that many like songs from this era of music that the lyrics are quite dark and heavy and yet oddly catchy. Um, right. And this, this fits that thing. But if you watch the video, it doesn't, it's not cheerful. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the video definitely shows despair and like heartbreak um and just the pain but it is interesting and there is something i do appreciate about this song is just the i don't know it's hard to say with the lyrics to this song because i mean like he does say like i can't be held responsible i won't be held responsible and there is something powerful about that in respect to especially in the era of like um what's that netflix show about suicide the one with the 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 cassette player um uh the the girl who commits suicide and gives everybody cassettes mm. um whatever that show about, yeah, yeah um why am i drawing a blank on that either way it just kind of it just there is there is when somebody you know like trigger warning like if, if anybody knows people who have committed it or who yeah lost their life that way um 13 reasons why 13 reasons why thank you i was like is there a 10 in it um no it's 13 reasons why um, plus, but three, it, it, plus three plus three 10 plus three reasons um if 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 somebody like when that happens there is a certain level of like you 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 
you do question like, could I have done something differently? Could I have this? Could like it is it is not an easy thing for anybody to deal with in any capacity. And it's interesting because like at the end of the day, you're not responsible for somebody who does that. And it's Mm -hmm. a really hard thing to like grasp and realize because you don't want to like believe that either, but then you also don't want to like feel responsible for it too. But then you feel like if it happens, then it would. So the fact that he like that line multiple times, like I won't, like I can't be held responsible. I won't be, but kind of feels like a little like knife in you after where it's like she fell in love in the first place it's like oh dude like don't go there it's kind of bold to take that perspective too it it is a little troubling like you can't sit there and being like it just it it sounds like a very unhealthy relationship here Mm -hmm. and it clearly was unbalanced um been there where like you just feel like your life was uprooted and ended and then it's like well you can't blame me you fell in love it's like well excuse me like it wasn't like i mean i don't know i don't again i don't think you really choose falling in love it's not like oh i decided i'm gonna fall in love i think it just happens so it's like you can't really you can't blame somebody for falling in love um you can blame like you, you just can't so so the fact that he did take that approach in these lyrics was a little like shocking, but at least, but like the, but then I guess it could be, but then to play devil's advocate, it could be just the fact that he could be just being like, I won't be held responsible because he is feeling the weight and the burden and the grief. And he's trying to tell himself like, mm-hmm. no, this isn't my fault. Like she fell in love. I didn't do this. And you say in, in, in the heat of an emotional traumatic impact, because like, in this song it's about abortion and then her committing suicide mm-hmm. so like that's a lot of trauma not just for the person who experienced it um but for those in that person's life and to have had that connection so he lost not only a child but he also or not a child but he lost the potential of a child and he um lost somebody that he was in a relationship with there's a lot to unpack there and a lot to deal with and a lot of grief that goes into it even if you didn't necessarily love that person you care so he could just be like talking things through his head, but it just, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way of this. She fell in love in the first place, because I just feel like that's just a very, uh, just, just gaslighty thing to say of just like, oh, I can't, I don't know what to tell you. Like I wanted to keep it casual, but you fell in love. <laughs> like it just a little overwhelming. So yeah. that's, that was a odd lyric for me, but then the video makes you seem like he's really grief stricken more. So right. it could be just him talking himself into it, but out of context, it really is just not, not the, the most um, healthy of line choices. Right. Well, he says, uh, this, he said it's, uh, for the most part, a made up story, which most of my songs yes. are, uh, there, these are stories that I come up with and I do characters. Part of the story was true in the fact that I had gone out with a girl and my buddy had gone out with her after I went out with her. And then I went out with her again, cabaret. Um, and then she ended up getting pregnant and having an abortion. But from there, there's poetic license that happens and makes the story more dramatic. A neophyte writer that I was, I ended up having her commit suicide and that never happened. So yeah, some truth to this story. Um, Kind of crazy. There's four versions of this song. Um, there was an acoustic version that appeared on their first EP called "I've Suffered a Head Injury" in 1992. It's more a little more upbeat. 
sounding. I was okay. like, ooh, cool, a broken down acoustic version. I was like, oh, this is kind of a little more upbeat. Uh, then there's an album vi- version that was on Villains, and it's slower than this. Oh, interesting. And just doesn't quite work. But then there's the single version for radio, which they would repress Villains and put this version on. That's the version we know. Then there's also a slightly modified single version for radio uh, with changes to the final line of the second verse. I think they change, they take out one of the stop a baby's breath things or something. Um, Uh, Slight line changes. But yeah, so this song went through an evolution before it got to what, maybe it's because it's the way I've heard it. I had villains, but I think I got one with this version on it, um, which I didn't... buy but i or i bought this because they for some reason the verb pipe came through my town a bunch early on Mm. with uh, they um i remember photograph was a song but my radio station played them out the goddamn wazoo and i was like quit trying to make the verb pipe happen stop (laughs) it it's kind of like that and then this came out and you know what? Fine. Yeah. I I admit defeat. They had a good song. Uh, they yeah, never. I mean, this is good. They were never bigger than this. Um, this was it for the. They had. They had a. I think their next album had a decent single or something. But this was. This is them. This is what they're known for. It was not their only hit, but. Um, and it's a. It's a hit that I don't know if people even remember it too much in the first place, but. No, I don't think offhand. I was like, "What song is this?" And then I heard it. I was like, "Oh, that song!" I think it's one of those that you need to like hear, or you had to live then and know it. Like it's not one of those big because there's big hits of every era that don't carry on to the next generation for some reason. It's it's crazy. Um, Just like there's movies that were number one big hits at the box office, no one talks about now and probably forget existed. Uh, Conspiracy theory. But uh, the video here, well, it's simple. It's uh, directed by Mark Neal, uh, released in January of 1997. He did music vid- two music videos for U2, uh, Lemon and Stay Far Away So Close. Uh, he did the uh, music video for the song Ghost by Live. Uh, it's off that Secret Samadhi album that I really liked a lot. That uh, it turned people off from live. But um, Counting Crows around here, and he goes on after this to direct a bunch of MotoGP documentaries, like motorcycle racing. That's all he does. Fascinating. So, so interesting. Yeah, he followed his passion to guys in motor motorcycles going in circles, I guess, or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but uh, this video, as we mentioned, it's just him sitting in a room with a bulb that's twitchy. Yeah. It's kind of one of those ones that I'm like, how pissed were the rest of the band at the singer that he was like this <laughs> focus and they got to like, what it... Yeah. strobed they got to be seen uh but this is another one of my i need to start making a list of these girls in music videos that just disappeared from existence because i research i can't find them i just did one uh we had a cheap trick video uh, a couple weeks ago that had a woman prominently featured in it no idea who she is no name nothing and this is another one of those like there's a lot i think there's a a laundry list of women appearing in music videos that were probably short-term models at the time or something like that. But there is no trail to find out who they are, what they thought of this, anything just disappeared. Um, But that happens. And they could be girls that band kept around, like put her in the video and that was it. Um, uh, Yeah. Like it's just, and it's crazy. Who knows who this person was? Could have, 
been... Yeah, it's not that clear on, like, I mean, when they show the woman in it, it's not really, like, it's all mood lighting and everything, too, so it's not, like, a really crystal, like, right. focus on her. Yeah. Um, well, maybe that person can eventually go on that show to tell the truth and be one of three women who stand up there saying, I was the woman in the freshman music video. I'd like to know this. <laughs> I really think that there's, there's something to this, like... Why they like everybody remembers the band and all that, but like we picture that we have these videos and like there could be these. I'm not talking about like rap videos where there's like a bunch of girls like dancing at a party. Like uh, I'm talking once with a prominently featured woman, and just no one knows who she is, what she did, or maybe she didn't do much. But like this was probably a big deal to them and something they've had to live on. Like that's all they had to live on. Like I'd like to know their stories or thoughts because we always. We don't even have much in terms of like directors thinking about what they did with this stuff, but um, just these women that show up in these music videos and disappear for life, or there's no way to track them. They're not on IMDb. Uh, nothing I can dig in searches for them. So, especially obscure stuff like the Freshman. Well, not obscure. It was a big hit. It sold them. They sold a million albums, uh, but. Yeah, it's just it's it's fascinating to me. Probably me alone. I don't know, but yeah. Well, I mean, like I mean, I feel like with just a lot of those, probably some of them they knew they threw into a video, or mm-hmm. just it's more casual than that. But that just reminded me, I was um, I watched some interview with Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock recently, mm-hmm. and Channing Tatum was like, "Oh, I was in the She Bangs music video with Ricky Martin," and you're like, "What?" So ah! like, apparently, he wasn't that. So wow. I'm like, I'm 99% sure that's what it was. Now I want to like look that up real quick. Well, like, um, uh, um, it it reminds me, I, I so when I, um, when I, when I live in Los Angeles in my office, I got uh, one of my coworkers who I, I ended up sharing an office with. Um, she was a former supermodel, model person, ran sort of like knew a lot of people. Uh, but she... So she was, she dated one of the, like the bass player or somebody in Puddle of Mud and was there when they were uh, recording their breakout album or whatever. And she told the producer on the side to ask the lead singer, like, he's got a song, it's called She Fucking Hates Me. He plays it to himself, but that'll be your biggest hit on the album. I swear. I swear. Make him play it. Make him, make him play it. Um, And he did. And the guy's like, eh, I don't know. She's like, dude, you guys should put, the- put it on the damn album and finally the producer came around was like yeah but the biggest hit they had but if it mm-hmm. wasn't for her that might have just been something he played in his pocket um but they didn't want to put it on an album but she she said like you guys that's your that's your best song like seriously i've been around you guys for i don't know how long but that's that's the one he plays that they guys don't play on stage that he just messes around with that's that's the one and uh, ended up being their biggest song wow and and here we have this band's biggest song being about abortion. Abortion. <laughs> abortion. It's funny. A funny side note that my so my my wife and her sister own a uh, place in town here called the White Rabbit Cabaret, and um, during their first year being open, um, there's this place across the street. It's another performance venue called um, Radio Radio, which just they open. They have a concert. It's a smaller place. Um, there was one time they they had the verb pipe there. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, it's probably would seat like, it's probably got a capacity of like 150 to 175 type building. And like, they came, started their, decided, started their show at eight. They were out by nine. <laughs> like, it was done. 
Vert pipe was done. I was like, it was the actual vert pipe because we went because you could hear it across the street, and I was like, oh, that's I heard the freshman, I heard photograph, but you can hear it. They they decided like they work. Um, they I think they were trying to like hold off, you know, like the time says eight o'clock, but they're gonna hold off to like nine. But mm-hmm. the guy there, it was like, it's like, just just it's not gonna fill up anymore. Just just go on, just go. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> But it's kind of funny, like that's that's where they were playing now. But um, and and year a couple of years later, that my wife's place would have six pence on the richer there. The actual, oh like, is it the actual one? <laughs> it was. Um, oh, but it's them. crazy where they can, where they played out and stuff. But these like, it, it's kind of it's it's sad for them that they can't play bigger places. But it's cool if you're like a fan, you can see it in such an intimate capacity. But yeah. But yeah, so the verb pipe, yeah, I, I once heard them from across the street past their prime circa 20, I think this was like 2010. Oh, wow. Maybe. It's like 2010. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the big problem was no one went, because it was Indy 500 weekend here, so no one was going out to this side of town to go to a verb pipe concert. So <laughs> that's what happens around here. Indy 500 uh, is a yeah. big thing. So, yeah. But yeah, that's a... Uh, it's the freshman from the Verve Pipe, yeah. which thanks to Aaron Newerth for making randomly joggling that out of my brain uh, the week of playing the show, and it I yeah. was like, "Well, that would fit with cabaret." So you did this, Aaron. Yeah. Congrats, <laughs> Greg. Greg had to go through double abortion conversations today, or yeah, you know, for this recording. and just heartbreak and all the things. I mean, the lyrics to this song, aside from that, she fell in love at the first place, which is kind of cringe. Um, the rest of the lyrics are actually really clever and well done and it's it's mm-hmm. a it's a well done song i mean it really yeah. is a well done so i understand why it was a hit um but again because knowing that he took creative license to further the story mm-hmm. um i know like it makes me like the song more because it's like oh i know this character i don't associate it necessarily with like the band or like him behaving this way right like it's like oh you're like telling a story of that asshole yeah like oh it's like oh so that makes me like go okay i i yeah so it, it is um i like to be able to separate it like that and then i'm like okay we all probably hopefully don't know that asshole but we probably do so this is that song <laughs> yeah uh, very yeah very very interesting uh but uh, that'll do it for another week on the show. Greg, uh, thank you for hopping on and talking abortion after abortion <laughs> through art. Um, the Verb Pipe and Cabaret. Uh, always love having you and uh, let people know uh, where they can keep up with you in the meantime. Uh, yeah, so I am on social media, all platforms at the Magoonies. Oh, and I just realized um, I will be in New York at the end of April, my first time back in four years since like basically living there. Oh, wow. And I will be seeing Pamela Anderson on Broadway. Oh. My childhood dreams coming true. Forgot about that earlier. And then I was like, how can I forget about my Pamela? Um, but yeah, she's playing Roxy in Chicago, which bossy connection. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, playing Roxy Hart. And I knew if I didn't see her doing that, I will be on my best deathbed regretting that. So I, I am finally returning to New York to see Pamela Anderson on Broadway and hopefully can meet her. Um, I'm going to pull in some strings on that one. Um, gotcha. Anyway. Yeah, I, when I, I saw Chicago when I went to New York in 2000, summer of 2000 and Sharon Lawrence was in it. That's 
That's who I Fascinating. I, I've seen that show so many times and I've seen it with Mel B and the Spice Girls. I've seen it with Jennifer Nettles of Sugarland and I've seen it with like some Broadway stars. I love Chicago. Chicago's awesome. Um, and now I, I am my triumphant return to New York is because of Pamela Anderson, because that is I could do an entire show on just Pamela. Because yeah, you got to let me know how that is. Um, we'll, we'll talk Chicago sometime. When's that hitting a milestone here? Um, I have a lot of stories about that one, too. I love it. I love the movie. So yeah, does not need to have a milestone. We'll bring it up sometime. But OK. <laughs> Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon 4K, 4K UHD, written work at YSoBlue.com. I'm, I think I'm going to take next week off because I have my kids' spring break and I won't be recording or having time to record stuff to that. So, you know what? I'm going to enjoy it. Damn it. Uh, so, you'll have some old space show though that week. Uh, but until then, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.